faith to see. Now, that's going to be the name of our message, and we're going to be reading from Matthew 9. But I want us to pray first, and I'm going to switch the order just a little bit. And I'd like us to ask God to anoint this service with faith. How many will help me pray that right now? Could we lift our hands and could we just pray that prayer? Father, I pray that faith will be stirred in our hearts. That the word, not emotionalism, but faith, oh God. Faith that will stir us, that will talk to us, that will minister to us. Not just for ourselves, but for those around us, oh God. Lord, let worship well up. Let our hearts rejoice. Lord, thank you for it. We give you praise. We give you praise, Lord, for a church that loves its pastors, loves its leaders, its teachers, its workers. Thank you for people, Lord, that love the work of God. And they give honor to their bishop. We thank you for all of that. Doesn't happen everywhere. But we're thankful for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Now, I'm going to have you be seated for just a moment. And I'd like to preach from Matthew 9. And I've chosen this instead of Mark or Luke or or any other place. And so I want you to see in just a moment why. Faith to see. And Matthew's account of what Jesus has done here begins in verse 27. Do you see it there? Can you turn with me to verse 27? How many can, how many will help me preach this morning? Praise God. Now, those of you that need to sleep and so on, uh, you've taken your, it's already taken your pill. You, you, I understand, but for the rest of us, I need you to help me preach this. Now, Matthew 9 verse 27 says, and when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him. Now let me pause. This is why I've had you be seated. I don't want to read ahead of myself. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him. So here is the beginning of our story. Two blind individuals incapable of sight. We heard a great lesson, by the way, in the morning Bible study in the sanctuary about we're the light of the world and 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 the mirror needing light for example if you turn the light out you can't see anything in the mirror because it requires light and so on that you can't see anything if you turn the light out and so this is where our story begins they were incapable of sight by human means and the holy ghost is speaking to us today that we cannot do we know we cannot do it the lord has been dealing with you about it you know you're not capable but these two men are going to be made memorable to the world through Matthew, Mark, and Luke that they followed their faith. They followed their faith to the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. Does anybody feel the Lord here this morning? They followed their faith and they allowed their faith to rise. And the Bible says, and now let's continue, crying, I would say crying, and saying, now notice that he specifically uses the word crying. Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Now, I rebuke the devil today. There is no devil strong enough to keep you in sin and to bind you. There's no hypocrite that walks in these doors that can stop you. Because God is able. And they were crying and said, thou son of David have mercy now the word crying here is very interesting 
I've, uh, of course, no Greek, teach Greek, taught at the university and so on, taught Hebrew, taught Latin and so on, because I'm an ancient language major. And the word crying here is from the Greek krazo, uh, which means literally, in other words, it's a unique word. You only use it if you're really talking about getting loud. It literally means to scream or to be very, very loud. And so these men begin to cry out and say they were literally screaming they were they were making themselves notable and you know ever once in a while how many knows that you got to get the lord's attention you can't just sit around folks i'm telling you jesus is coming this is no time to fool around praise god so they were not going to let this moment pass them by. They were going, they were determined that they were going to get a hold of Jesus. In verse 28, and when he was coming to the house, now this is what's interesting. That's why I've chosen Matthew, because it, the details are go further than any other place. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. In other words, they'd already been crying out. Now, I, I would love to pause and, and I'd love to preach a sermon about the between their crying and the house. What a sermon that would be. I mean, they're crying out to Jesus and they don't get a single response until they enter the house. You know, there are some people, unless you do it just the way they want to, they are never satisfied. They're never willing to go all the way because they've got to be in control and they've got to know that they're the one in charge but let me tell you something folks it's time to let jesus be in charge of your life and your heart because he alone is able so when he was coming to the house the blind men came to him and so this is clear they were persistent among other things i may preach that sermon after all it didn't matter that their request was impossible it didn't matter that it was impossible for them to see that now we don't have the details of their sight but but i can tell you right now there was no way in the world they were living the life of the blind if they're because they were blind uh, there were universities hospitals for the blind i mean the ancient world wasn't just a bunch of nobodies they had in fact the the leading ointments for the for blindness now, i realize it's nowhere in comparison to today's technology i'm just telling you they didn't just let people run blind they did everything they could do for them and these men had no earthly means by which they could see but it did not matter they they made their requests known in spite of its impossibility. They believed something was different about Jesus. And that's the starting point. You must believe when you call out to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? I wish somebody would preach with me today. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, now God knew. Everybody say Amen. God knew the answer. There's no way in the world that Jesus didn't know what his faith was. This cough drop. It, listen, if I pass out. No, I'm just kidding. <coughs> but I, I'm. You say you're preaching. <laughs> yes, I'm preaching on faith and I need a cough drop. I'll just say it for the, for the internet and the whole world to hear it. Believe ye that I am able to do this? Jesus already knew the answer. What was important, though, was that they recognized, they recognized 
why this miracle could happen in an evil world where blindness can take... For example, some people are blind and some are not. Some are lame and some are not. Folks, that's not fair. Why should some have this and some have... And others not? Things happen. I don't understand it. Why is God doing this to me? And so here they were blind and Jesus wanted it to be known. The important thing was to recognize that in this fallen world, a limited world and a world of impossibilities, Jesus said, do you believe in me? Not in the world, not in this world, not what this world is able to do, but you can have everything that God has promised. Can you say praise the Lord? Can we just clap our hands and thank the Lord? You can have everything... That God has promised. They said unto him, I'm at, now I'm saying I've been preaching verse 28. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Hallelujah. I feel the yea, Lord, in the house today. Praise God. And it's not going to be because someone yelled amen and someone was, got, got emotional for you. You're having to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying sometimes over others. Someone said, all the hypocrites are keeping me away from God. You cannot let the hypocrites... Hey, folks, I see hypocrites every single day. I'm telling you right now, you can't let the hypocrites keep you from trusting God. You've got to trust God. God, yay, Lord. That was their answer. A simple word, yes. That's why God wanted, that's what he wanted to hear. Yes, in this world of no and never, of hopelessness and death and dead ends, of drugs and crime. God was looking for a yes in a world of racism and disappointment and judgmentalism and unfair realities with dead young men in the streets and with heads rolling with beheadings and religious upheaval, there is in fact, and with all the spiritual darkness that is about us, Jesus wanted to hear the, the yes of faith. Yay, Lord. And so I use today, as Jesus did, the illustration of one of the hardest circumstances you could imagine. An irreversible blindness that no man could do anything about. And Jesus said, do you believe that I can do this? The question is, do you want to see? Do you have the faith? To see. Verse 29 said, Then touched he their eyes. Praise God. How many are thankful that Jesus is able to do what nobody else can do? Praise God. Whatever you're facing today, listen to the Holy Ghost speak. Don't listen to the television. Don't listen to the news outlets. Don't listen to the doubters. Listen to what the Holy Ghost is telling you today. Jesus will reach out and touch the very eyes of faith. He's able to do what no one else can do. I feel a call of the Holy Ghost that says he did it. He reached out. He's like nobody else because he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and he's the ending. 
He's the first. He's the last. Hallelujah. He went in the tomb and he came out of the tomb. I could just see that cough drop sailing right over there. It's hard to say, in the tomb and out of the tomb without hurling the cough drop. But believe it or not, it's given me some vocal ability and I'm thankful for it. Jesus did it. Everybody say, Jesus did it. He reached out and he touched their eyes. You say, Brother French, why are you saying this? Are you going to preach all day? No, no, no. The Holy Ghost sent me here today to tell you that in spite of all of the naysayers and those that are attacking the church and are opposed to what is right, there is a God right now. They may all say, what are you doing this for? But there's a God that is able, that is working And he's waiting for your answer. Do you believe I am able? Hallelujah. And they said, yes. And Jesus reached out and he touched their eyes. Praise God. Now, uh, Jesus adds here the critical element to this entire story. The element most important to you and to me today. And what's facing our world. Someone said, what is wrong with the world why would someone attack a, a person and, and kill them on the job and use a sword to, uh, to uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm in, I'm in a public place, but this is, this is the, uh, the children are in another area. So I'm, I am trying to be careful, but I'm just, uh, sometimes I forget that. But uh, here we're in a world where you wake up and you say to yourself, Someone said, well, they, they, their word went out. And, and, of course, there's all kinds of concerns about the world that we live in. Oh, my goodness. What a world we're in. So Jesus said, just like they were facing the impossibilities of their day, and here we stand today, and the Holy Ghost is reminding us of Jesus' words. According, verse 29 Right in the middle there, according to your, what? Faith. That was real slow, so let's try it one more time. So Jesus, this is the element, this is the part that's critical. Now you say, Brother French, we, we know that, we, we're not quite sure. All right, I want, I want to remind you why the Holy Ghost, of course, those of you that are quite sure are not the ones that need this. That's why you don't have church by yourself. You don't just have church for yourself. We have church for anybody that walks in these doors and they need it. They're crying out for it. And the Spirit of God is speaking to them. And here was the element. According to your faith, be it unto you. So if you're ever going to be able to see, it's going to be according to your faith. Now we know Jesus did it. We know Jesus did it. See, that's one of the balance I'm trying to strike. We know that God is the one that does it, but it's according to your faith. Now it's interesting because the, the word according is the, is the Greek word kata, which is a very, very common Greek word, which means, well, has several meanings, but 
in, the, in, in this context, what we mean by that grammatically, the way it's used here in the Greek, kata, of course, it, mean, it means according. But what I'm, what I'm trying to explain exactly what is meant by that, according to your faith. And of course, the word according in English refers to that which corresponds to it. So what is going to happen will correspond directly to your faith. If you can believe, then it will happen. Kata. Those blind men had faith. Everybody say faith. Both of them had their eyes opened. Everyone say opened. Now, of course, uh, uh, that's an interesting word itself, but they, their, their eyes were open, meaning that their sight came to them miraculously. That is, the ability for it to see what was there came miraculously. Now, the Holy Ghost is telling me that someone here today needs a miracle. You need faith to see what God has in front of you, my friend. You're wondering where you're going to spend eternity. You need faith to see what God is. You're wondering how you'll make it and pay the bills and you need faith to see what God sees God wants to show you through your faith and then you will see you must first have faith and then you will see now in my six years of doing PhD research uh, in on I did it on what is known as early Pentecostalism. It was sort of like a history of early Pentecostalism. And I did it uh, in what the New York Times just a couple months ago listed as the number one university in the world, the University of Birmingham, England. So that meant for six years, I had to go back and forth to England and do this research in a, in a university that was uh, wasn't Pentecostal. They, they didn't know much about Pentecostals, but they have a religion department that's very friendly to Pentecostals. And so I was uh, invited to come and be one of the researchers. And uh, I was researching how thoroughly interracial the Pentecostal movement that I'm a part of was 100 years ago. In other words, 60 years before the civil rights and before Dr. King, 60 years before any of that even began to see the light of day, this group of people was interracial. And I was doing my doctoral work and, and, I, was, and I was having to prove to them day by day by day. Now, one of those preachers, by the way, uh, I, I laid it here so I did, it worked. This just came out yesterday. We'll have them here tonight. It has the... Uh, the, the new book that was my doctor work was published and there it is and it's on page 42 of the New Herald that's going to go out it, it's got about a 30,000 circulation but because of general conference it's going to have about a 75,000 person circulation so there's a lot of exciting things happening so I'll put that over there so I was doing that and in the middle of it I came across and I'd already heard of of Bishop Lawson, of course, but but I was I was finding out that R.C. Lawson was everybody say praise the Lord that R.C. Lawson was a key player. You're not going to have an interracial movement unless both black and white are working together. 
It isn't just one, it isn't just one group, it isn't just one ethnicity. Everybody has to work together. And then you bring in the Asian and the Hispanic and all, and this was a committed group because Pentecost is for everybody, not just one, everybody. So, so anyway, that, that's not what I'm preaching. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to tell you about this. So there was a, a, one of the African-American, who I will now refer to as a black preacher, who founded our churches. His name was Robert Clarence Lawson. But in 1913, he was unsaved. And he was, in fact, a jazz singer from Louisiana who wrote and played and sang. He was uh, getting sick. He didn't know why, but uh, he didn't know what it was. At least that's, and, and I was able to find his actual written, I'm, I'm sure some others have seen it, but it's not easy to get a hold of. And he, he began, he came to Indianapolis and while he was in Indianapolis, and how many knows that God knows how to orchestrate all of our lives? Hallelujah. Could we just lift our hands and could we just love him just a minute? Lord, you know how to take care of us. You know how to do it. We may not understand it, but you understand it, Lord. Of course, this doesn't take away one minute from Dr. King and civil rights, all that had to come. It should have come much, much sooner. But, and of course, in this book, we talk about uh, the slave there, uh, Bishop uh, Haywood and so forth. And all, if we traced his slave past, his parents were in Raleigh, North Carolina. We traced it back. And, and, and then, of course, brother, both these men, Lawson and Haywood, were tremendous musical talents. And they were both enormously educated. And they were profoundly great in their ability to preach so they were two of the finest preachers in Pentecost and so they were uh, became very well known but this of course before that and uh, R.C. Lawson was a, a, a jazz singer come to Indianapolis and while he was singing downtown I lived there for seven years believe me I know right where he was he began to cough as he was uh, as he was singing and he coughed into his handkerchief, a handkerchief full of blood. And he kept singing. And he knew that the handwriting was on the wall and he showed it to whoever was there, I forget exactly. And they said, listen, Robert, you, 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 you've got TB. You gotta, you, we can't be around you you got to get to the hospital. And so they rushed him to the hospital uh, downtown Indianapolis. This is 1913. And he was, uh, the doctor said, you are, sir, you have waited so long that there's very little we can do. We're, we're going to put you on treatment and they begin, whatever they do. I'm not an expert. I'm just telling you they did it. And so, but in the meantime, the Bishop Haywood, who had the largest church in Pentecost, was also an African-American pastor and founder of our, of our denomination, our movement, and one of the great founders in the racial movement. The Holy Ghost spoke to him and said, you know, listen to me, I'm almost there. I'm trying to show you how faith is required before you're ever going to see. And so he's, the Holy Ghost stopped, Bishop uh, we, we, 
he, of course, it was G.T. Haywood is what I'm talking about. And the Holy Ghost, Haywood was one of the most extraordinary men that ever lived. And, and uh, he, his picture's on the cover of my new book. And he said, the Holy Ghost stopped me and said, wait a minute, Garfield. You've got to go somewhere. I've got a job to do. And he said, yes, Lord, what, what? You do you want me to do? He said, I want you to get to the hospital and you start walking the halls. And when I tell you to stop, you stop. And so he got, he started down the hall. And he, of course, he was a great songwriter. Bishop Haywood, for example, wrote songs like, I see a crimson stream of blood that flows from 100 years later. We're still singing it. Folks sing that all over the world. That's in hymn books all over the world, non-Pentecostal churches. And so he's walking and the Holy Ghost says, stop. He looks in and there's a young man coughing up blood. He's wearing a white gown and he's coughing up blood in a, in a, in a handkerchief and the doctors are coming and going and he stops at the door and he steps in and he says, what is your name, young man? He says, I'm... Robert Clarence Lawson from Louisiana. He said, Robert Clarence Lawson, I am telling you right now, you have lived a life of sin and you are now at the point you have no option. You're either going to go the way of tuberculosis or God's going to heal you right now, right in this room. Will you believe God and preach the gospel if he heals you? And there was a, just a moment's pause as he lifted that hanky from his lips. He had been running from God. you got to read the story. Yourself. I'm just trying to repeat a little of it to you. And he pulled the hanky from his lips and saw the blood and he realized, I have been running all these years, his father had been a missionary. His mother and father had been killed as a young boy is raised by his aunt. And, and uh, he was so bitter at God. He later, I read his testimony, and he said, I, I, I was running from God because I was angry at God. But when I was standing there between life and death, I knew I had a choice. I could go on into death or I could believe God. And I said, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Folks, there's a yes of faith that says, I receive it. He said, then I'm going to lay hands on you right now. And he, <laughs> Bishop Haywood, reached over and laid hands on R.C. Lawson. Two men who would become the greatest bishops in the apostolic movement. I know there are many others. I know there are white bishops and Hispanic bishops. I'm just saying two of among the greatest bishops that ever lived in this movement. This one of the fastest growing churches in the world. And it began with men that saw they had to have faith to trust God. And that's what God was doing. God wasn't toying with him. He wanted him to know if you will see this through faith, everything is going to be all right. He reached over, put his hand on his head, and R.C. Lawson raised his hands. And he did not receive the Holy Ghost right there. That's another, that's another story you'll read later. But he lifted his hands, and God instantly healed him of tuberculosis. He got up, he yanked everything off, and, and, and ran to get his clothes. And they come running in and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm leaving. They said, you can't leave. You're, 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 you, you've got tuberculosis. 
He said, no, I had tuberculosis. It's gone. I'm not coughing. They kept him. I forget the stories in there, how they kept him and how he kept saying, hey, let me go, let me go. I've been healed. I've got to get out of here. You don't want to know the song he wrote when he stepped out of that hospital room. Oh, God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great. That was his first apostolic song because he saw through eyes of faith. Could we just lift our hands and praise him? I'm almost done. Just come on. Let's just praise him. Jesus, Lord, we need to see today. We need to see better than we've been seeing. Praise God. You say, but pastor, no, no. According to your faith is still real. You may be stumbling in darkness and sin and your faith seems a million miles away, but faith is still your answer. During my doctoral research in England, I was invited to go to China, and I, I've said it, I'll say it now, that there were things that I really needed God to do in my life. I just sort of become, oh, a little bit, uh, well, I don't know. I wasn't thinking the way I should have thought. And the Holy Ghost, there was a young Chinese brother that was a, a monk in a Tibetan monastery. Later, uh, Kirk has showed me the picture of the very... Mo- I've never at the monastery, but because it's in Tibet. I didn't go to Tibet. But there's this massive mountain and clouds at the top. And the monastery set at the top. Great big giant doors. And one day, a missionary lady pounded on those doors. <laughs> pounded on those doors. And... Several monks, they always come together, and he was, uh, he'd been there since he was seven. He was sort of in the back, about the second row, and they all came. They, they were taught to turn their backs like this, and they would look and see what you were doing, and they would turn their backs like this. You weren't even, uh, Americans weren't even supposed to really be up there. And so uh, she said, she said, here, I just, I felt led to give you a Bible. <laughs> and so she reached her hand in that huge door. Every time I think about it, I get, I get emotional. And all of them had been trained to turn their back. And so they did. But Kirka said, I want it. He grabbed the Bible before anybody saw it. Put it in his robe. He said, I told him when I met him, I said, I didn't know those robes had pockets like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's pockets in there. I put that Bible right in that pocket. And I had it in that monastery for one year. I told him, I, got, I wrote down every detail. I told him I was at the University of England in, in uh, Birmingham and I was uh, writing about the growth of this church and, and he was certainly a, a great example of it. And he said, what happened is, as I read the Bible all year, of course, I did it when, you know, they wouldn't know what I was reading. I had places, I, we all had quiet time we could get away and I read and I read and I read I read the Bible through several times and he said at the end of that year I had read the Bible so many times that I begin to say God I want what's in this Bible right here I know it's impossible I've been raised in a monastery I'm a Buddhist but somehow I want this 
And, uh, and what a marvelous story. Someday I'll tell you the whole story perhaps. But they said, he said, I begin to make my way. And I, when I left, of course, they beat him and they broke his arms and did all kinds of stuff to him. But when he got away from the monastery, he said, I begin to look and I, I begin to try to find somebody that could tell me how to find what was in this book. And he said, that's when someone explained to me how I could be filled with the Holy Ghost exactly like it is in the Bible. And he said, I have received the whole this one I met him. He's I was in China. He said, I have received the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And he said, I feel like such a failure because I have only baptized in Jesus' name, since I have received the Holy Ghost, I have only baptized 32,000 in Jesus' name. But he said, I have another 5,000 that are waiting for me. Would you come to Tibet? That's what he said. And I was with him. I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm traveling through. I don't live over here. But this brother and I, we put him in touch with people. And they went back and they baptized 5,000 more. And that revival is going on. What am I saying? I'm telling you today, if God can reach to the top of a Tibetan monastery, then God can reach into your world. Would you stand with me today? Here's what I'd like us to do. I'd like you if you would, to pray according to our faith. I'd like us to come for prayer all across the building. We're not going to be but a minute. I'm not going to keep you forever, but I'd like you to come, and you can pray as long as you want. Will you join us? Let's gather here at the altar, and don't wait till you're coughing and hopeless. Why don't you come and tell the Lord that we're bringing it to Him? Our musicians will play, and our children will be dismissed in a moment. But I wonder if we could just gather. And if you know someone that needs the Lord, and your faith is reaching out for them, I'd like you to pray with me right now, all across this building. That's it. Can we lift our hands right now as they sing and worship? We're going to pray for you right now. Father, I believe you. I trust you, God. Lord, you are able to do what no man can do. Lord, you're going to give me the faith that I need, oh God. And I'm going to trust you, Jesus. Lord, you're going to help us. Lord, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. But Lord, you're giving me faith to reach out. You're giving me faith that I can see today. Lord, I thank you for it. That's it. Oh, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. Find somebody. Find somebody you can pray with for a moment.